Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with the ECS DNA kit by Endocana Health. If you take pride in your canna nerdiness or are just canna curious, this kit empowers you to find more about the best cannabis choices. Right now, you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com using promo code POD25. Your purchase includes the Endo DNA Collection Kit, Endo Decoded Report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestions, and Endo Align products matching in your state. There will also be suggested dosage guidelines and optimum methods for inhalation or usage. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a buy one, get one offer on their Afika Soft Gel lineup. And since I know that many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afika Unwind, created to support health sleep cycles using patented proprietary formulations of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are in your future. Buy one for yourself and get one for a friend at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at the checkout for 25% off your DNA test kit. I had this patient who was on cannabis. They tried to tell me, you can't talk about cannabis because it's schedule one that could affect our funding. And I said, that's both untrue and unethical. If this is a medicine that works, we have to allow our patients to use it. This is The Cannamom Show, a podcast chronicling the inspiring stories of real women in the emerging cannabis industry. Your host, Joyce Gerber, mom, lawyer, political activist, has been speaking with women from coast to coast and around the world who are leaders in the revolution of cannabis and caregiving, continuing on her mission to lift up the stories of the women creating the cannabis industry by sharing their canna stories with you. So go make yourself a cup of tea or roll yourself a joint, sit back and learn something new about this magical plant on The Cannamom Show with Joyce Gerber. From the Tip O'Neill Studios in North Cambridge, Massachusetts, it's the Cannamom Show. Now here's your host, Joyce Gerber. I'm Joyce Gerber, and welcome back to the Cannamom Show. We are so grateful you are joining us today as we continue in our mission of crushing that stigma around cannabis and caregivers. One can of story. So, Dave, you have a good long weekend. Yep, I went up to a friend's house in Vermont, got some sun, played some disc golf poorly and otherwise enjoyed myself. And if uh, you'll let me share for 60 seconds, my son Griffin plays on the UMass Ultimate Disc team. What Ultimate Disc is, Joyce? Frisbee? Yes. Ultimate (laughs) ultimate Frisbee. They have had a great season. They went to the, I was not there, but I watched on ESPN. My son was on ESPN as they did the finals in Cincinnati. And they had a remarkable run. Griffin um, scored a few goals and got some camera time. They finished second. They lost in the final game, but it was still uh, tremendous for him. Kind of cool. to you, you talk about seeing your son sort of up in lights all the time. So I had a chance to do it. It's, it's surreal. It's good like to see like there they are doing their thing out there. And oh, see, he's a proud Canada dad. I was going to say if there's Absolutely. any cannabis this weekend. So yeah, Canada dad. 
<laughs> well, I mean, I think everyone but Griffin on the Ultimate Frisbee team probably does their fair share of cannabis. I don't think he does. Yeah, it's all, it's Maybe. Ultimate Frisbee. Yeah. That's hysterical. That's like a mission. Like you, I thought it was a prerequisite. <laughs> a lot of people do. A lot of people do think that. <laughs> that's so funny. Um, that's awesome. All right. I did not see anybody play Frisbee, but I did see the new Julia Louis-Dreyfus movie. Um, so that was oh. a nice little story. I don't know if you saw that. It's no, I didn't. Old... No, it's she's a writer. It's a story about how people how we speak to the people we care for. Sometimes we don't always tell them exactly the truth because we don't want to hurt them. And then the consequences of not doing that. And I don't know. It's just, it's a small story that kind of is universal. So I enjoyed it. And my husband did not fall asleep during it. Oftentimes I bring him and he falls asleep. So it was good. <laughs> it's uh, so it's called, you hurt my feelings. You hurt my feelings. Yep. Okay. And it's a couple, they have a grown son and she's a writer. It was just, it was nice. It was a nice little Friday night out. Are you a fan of her show Veep? Have you watched that? I, um, I'm a fan of her. Like I always say, I actually think I said this on a last podcast. When they do the Cannamom show movie, I would like her to play me. <laughs> that's a good, that's a good casting decision for sure. You're, but she, you should watch Veep because if you, because I know you're into politics. Yeah, and, I watched um, some of it. Yeah. It's a little disheartening because it's so on point now. So that's kind of sad, but I love the old Seinfeld. I was, I was a huge fan and I do love, actually, do you watch Succession? I yes. don't watch that one. Yes, I yeah, do. Yeah, I know. Everyone's into it. Yeah, it was, I won't. No spoilers here on the Cannamom show, but it was it was good. I don't think the finale was as fantastic as everyone else says, but it was a good conclusion to it. And uh, yeah, someday if you do it and you get caught up, we'll talk. Okay, I'll talk. But I did watch the marvelous Mrs. Maisel also had their season five show finale, and I don't know. She ended with mid male achieving success. It's the same story with moms. Like she was a caregiver. What happened to her kids? Well, she achieved success, and this is like. A whole generation before me. Like, she's actually achieving success the year I was born. Yeah. Um, but the whole show, I just love everything about it. Her clothes, her funniness, her... It was, it was great. Yeah, it, it really... It had the all the humor of, you know, that era. It captured it nicely. It captured the... Frankly, it captured the Jewish thing nicely. It captured the New York thing nicely. And the thing was written with the rhythm of a Broadway play, I thought. Maybe that's another reason why you liked it. Oh, maybe it is. Yeah, it was very quick-witted, beautiful to watch. I related to every single solitary character, so it was fun, and I'm sad it's over. But I'm glad she achieved success, and uh, at the end, she was still friends with Susie. Oh, well, thanks. <laughs> Spoiler alert, thanks. But that's okay. Yeah, I, I assume that was true. The, the last season, when Susie gave the sort of impromptu speech at a funeral, was that was an Emmy moment. It was amazing. Yeah. Right. So if you haven't watched it, catch up five seasons. All right. So that I'm not going to have a can of culture corner today, but I just want everyone to know that in addition to today's great guest, a little later in the show, we will be speaking with the Betty Crocker of Cannabis Brownies right here in Massachusetts. So, um, hey, Dave, do you have a pot brownie story from your, from <laughs> um, your youth, of course? <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I guess the story would be that the president of my fraternity, once we were hanging out and he was eating the pot brownies and he didn't realize they were pot brownies. And I forget what happened to him, but it was a little bit of a cruel joke played on the guy, I think. So, but yes, uh, the, Every, it was, it was always a magical thing. And when we were young, somebody's got pot brownies. Wow. And God knows what was in them anyway. So we'll talk there today. Um, Sabrina Klubnik, founder of Clubby. She's a very young entrepreneur who grew up right here in Newton. Um, and now she's focusing her business passion and her baking skills. I'm building a cannabis business and um, we're going to learn a little bit more about that later in the show. But yeah, everyone's got their pot brownie stories. And I honestly, I keep thinking, 
how many milligrams are in there. Like, who knows what people are eating. So, yeah. Exactly. We'll talk about how she fixes that problem now. All right. <laughs> well, good catching up. Good hanging out. And uh, yeah, I'm excited for your son. That was beautiful news. We'll put a, like, a little link to like Ultimate Frisbee in the notes. Sure. I, I, I'll, I'll put a link to him scoring a goal and smile. He went to, he looked at the camera and made the heart symbol with his hands. I think that was for his mom who was in the stands. It was nice. Again, proud of our kids, yes. Canada dads, Canada moms. We're doing our thing, supporting their dreams. Right. All right. Let's move on to today's guest. All right. So in addition to Sabrina, who we'll be talking about a little bit later, today's guest is the CEO and founder of Trusted Canada Nurse, which she founded when she realized there were very few medical professionals who were well-versed in cannabis and CBD, an issue we discuss all the time on the show. Today's guest has been a nurse for over 10 years, specializing in oncology, labor delivery, and most recently hospice and palliative care. She has received national certification in all three specialties and is currently working towards a master's of science in medical cannabis therapeutics. She is an active member of the Society of Cannabis Clinicians, Cannabis Nurses Network, and American Cannabis Nurses Association. And she can be found making edutainment videos, I like that word, inst on Instagram and maybe TikTok, I'm not sure, to help all of us use this plant medicine to prove our health. Please welcome to the Cannabom Show, Megan Bang, a very trusted Canna nurse. Welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm glad to have you. We've been following you and we've been talking. So before we dig in, let's just start a little bit with your background. How did you get to be where you are right now? Like what were you doing before and how did you get to be... Um, the trusted nurse. How did you just, how did that come to be? Yeah. Right. So I don't have a typical origin story. Like most people, I don't have chronic illness. So I was never really a, a cannabis user. However, and I was a nurse. So I was always, even in California, I was urine tested. So I was never really able to use it freely. So it was never a thing for me. But last year or a year or two ago, I was working home hospice and I had a patient who was having continuous seizures. She was on five or six seizure medications and they weren't working. They just weren't doing anything. So I was like, okay, well, I've heard some things about cannabis and CBD, but I have no idea where to start or what to give or how to give it or what to do. So then I like looked for resources and there was no local resource that knew what I needed, that knew the information that I needed. So I was like, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to be that local resource. So from there, I just jumped in the deep end. I started going to conferences. I started graduate school, doing a master's program. I started just, just learning and just absorbing all of the information that I could. And then I started trusted candidates and now I, now I help patients. Yeah. All right. And you are a trusted candidate. So I talk about this a lot. I talk about even in terms of my own mother back in the day, that is if you're in traditional medicine and you want to incorporate this, it's very difficult to find a medical professional who can help you in a lot of very specific questions. So let's talk about, I don't know, like where did, so, so you came into this and you said your first patients were in palliative care. I hear a lot more about nurses trying to integrate this in and the pharmaceuticals and how they're on. A lot of the pharmaceuticals are causing some of the issues, right? So, right. Yeah. Right. So yeah, is, is that, that how you're entering the space? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have patients who are on like a dozen or two different medications. They're taking one medication for the side effect of another medication and they're really not doing anything. And the patients come to us wanting something more holistic, something more natural. They want to come off of their medications and stop having the side effects and actually have their symptoms managed. And that's where cannabis is such a fantastic tool to help patients do that. 
So, okay. So medically, I always say, I don't know anything about the human body. I'm a lawyer. I talk on a podcast, but again, I hear these stories over and over again at the microbiology receptor level, things like that. How, how do you explain to your patients? Like, why is this working for them? Do they actually want to get to that level? And how do you explain to them why this isn't magic, why this is actually science? Yeah. Um, great question. And, and it depends, it depends on the level of the patient. What I tell people is that we have an entire system in our body that interacts with the plants. And usually kind of the, the overarching theme is like when, when a cannabinoid attaches to a receptor, it just kind of turns the volume down on the neurotransmitters that are released. So that means that it, it turns the volume down on pain, inflammation, anxiety, those sorts of things. And sometimes you can turn the volume down on the good neurotransmitters, which is what can lead to, which is why cannabis can cause anxiety in some situations. Oh, that's interesting. So how do you explain that to them? The sort of the, was it biphasic or by, what is it? Biphasic, yeah. Biphasic, I just say yeah. like, like, like with any medication or pharmaceutical, too much of a good thing is not a good thing. Mm-hmm. And you can just, you can have adverse effects with too much THC. It's, it's mostly the THC that we see it with. Not interesting. Yeah, not so much the CBD. So okay, so when you're okay, so you're on, you're in California, right? Mm-hmm. So again, these are no interstate commerce. So we have CBD products, which can be interstate. You have you know THC infused products that you can recommend. So how do you how do you how do you find? Well, I know you have your own product line, so that's part of it. But how do you like make sure that the products you're recommending are what they need? We know a lot about the CBD products are not tested quality. Whatever you have to almost know your hemp grower. So you do have a line. And then how do you recommend other products for your patients who are looking for a specific right. relief, I guess? Yeah. yeah. So it depends on what the issue is. For the most part, our products can cover what the patient needs. It's We have products that have like up to six milligrams of THC per dose. And most patients don't need more than that. If they do, then we can send them to a dispensary. We can look online and see what this dispensary has. Or, or if we know local people in the area who grow and have like the RSO or the FICO oil that they need, then we can source it that way. So like, can, um, we so, just talk, uh, can you just talk about like what yeah. trusted nurses, let's like, get like an overview of what it, you know, your product lines, your nurses, can you just maybe just give a, I didn't go that way. So it's kind of go an overview of what that is and who's there and how yeah. you're working. Yeah. Yeah. So basically we teach people how to use cannabis and CBD as medicine. And so patients come to us with their issues and then we teach them how CBD or CBG or different cannabinoids can help. We teach them how they should take it and what would be our best recommendations for what they should take. In addition to that, we also offered like insight and, and recommendations for other things to improve their endocannabinoid system, like other supplements. And if people are, and that's if they're coming to us for help with that, sometimes people come to us because they want help cutting down their cannabis use because their relationship with cannabis has become problematic. So they come to us and want to know how to cut down. I actually had a video back in February go viral on like tolerance breaks. And then we had a lot of interest in tolerance breaks after that. And we held a tolerance break masterclass, right? And to teach people how to take tolerance breaks. So that does um, seem to be, I've seen that, I've seen that trending. That's a big thing with people. It's interesting to be in this space where it's very accessible now. So you can use it in so many forms and so many different ways. And maybe you are uh, flipping it. That's interesting. A, a flip side of this. So um, I mean, a flip yeah. side of the pharmaceuticals too. That's interesting. All right. So you talked a little bit, let's just go to the kind of your entertainment. So you've got the Canon, 
nurse, the trusted Canada nurse. It's not just you though, right? Are you working with other nurses in California? How does that work? Yeah. So we have, it's a team of three of us right now. Okay. Uh, we have a pharmacist who he consults with us. He helps with medication interactions. Smart. Um, our patients who come to us and they're on 10 or 20 medications, he'll help run the interactions so we can teach our patients to use safely. And then we just brought on another nurse at the beginning of this month and she does um, holistic, everything holistic and then and cannabis and psychedelic integration. So now we can, we have some microdosing programs that we can offer patients too. That's, uh, that's not, okay. So are you seeing, uh, that's a, I don't know, I'm kind of jumping around, but like, okay, this, so people know where you are. You're actually at a, can you just talk about where you live and what you're doing and how this is like, you're, I don't know, just like who you are so they can get a sense right. of like, you know, you're just kind of stepping outside of your comfort zone and you're doing a lot of good work and breaking barriers really. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Then we make some people mad. I've gotten kicked off of, of TikTok permanently. Oh, you have. Okay. I thought so. That's why I didn't. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I have to get a new device just to get back on the app. And I'm just, I'm playing with that idea right now. All right. So um, this, you're a lovely human being who is not doing anything bad. So like, say where you are and what you, yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. But I'm in, I live in Southern California, so I help patients locally, but we help patients nationwide. Okay. We go and yesterday I went to a senior living community and taught a class for them. And then we, we do virtual consultations with patients as well. So this nice woman is being kicked off TikTok because just tell them all the other things you do. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, people, you're educating people and you're getting kicked. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, exactly. So which one got you, did it actually get kicked off for talking about psychedelics or did you get kicked off for talking about cannabis or like what happened? Um, it was, it was cannabis actually. Oh, really? It was, um, and I had gotten some warnings and stuff. So that was built up against me, but they can, on TikTok, you can get mass reported. And that means that if, if there are, if your video has 10 reports against it, it'll automatically get taken down. And there are programs that the people can launch to do that, to mass report your account. And somebody did that. Somebody did it a few months before. And then I did a video kind of calling out like the synthetic Delta 9 stuff that's out there. And then it got mass reported. And then that was the end of TikTok. But normally you put out you talking about the plant and giving pointers. And even like you've been doing some, you want to talk a little bit like your own, you've talked about the psychedelic journey that you've been using and how it's impacting you and how that's impacting your community. Yeah. 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 So I started my own microdosing journey like three to four months ago now. And I was just mostly curious about it because I've heard the hype. I've seen the Netflix series. Curious, (laughs) like, can this, like, would this be beneficial for me? I don't have a history of trauma that I'm working through or anything, but how can, how can it help me? So I just, wanted to play around and the nurse and I found a nurse who was a medical professional I wanted a medical professional to help guide me so she helped she helped guide me on my microdosing journey and now I brought that nurse on so that we can help other patients on their microdosing journeys as well all right so I talk about psychedelics like a scared old woman I'm like I'm curious I have been doing more webinars with nurses talking about end of life and palliative care and how mm-hmm. they're using this to expand and not contract. And so I'm very, very curious. So, but still like a weirdly nervous. So can you explain like how you entered this space? How did you decide what to use? How did you actually experience it? Can you get, you want to go a little deeper with me? Is that okay? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. 
And I don't have like Arian is the expert. I can right. just speak to my yeah, personal experience. Yeah, your personal exactly. Yeah. 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 I noticed that when I so when I take a dose, it makes me a little bit sleepy. And it's it, it's not it's like very sub perceptual. Like and then how like, did you figure out how do you figure out how to take like what did you product did you t- like how to like that's the same the question yeah, I have about cannabis like everyone's got the same questions how do you start where do you find it yeah how much right, do you take? right. yeah 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 so so Ariane has she doesn't like sell it like we don't sell it but we have trusted sources that we can mm-hmm. get it from so she and there are different protocols for microdosing there's like something was like five days on two days off and there's like she starts at a 50 milligram dose and then you can go up to a hundred and then people play around and see what works for them. If people are coming off of the antidepressants, then they might need more support and a higher dose. But for me, like I found that when I was doing it consistently, I was just like a few days later, I would get really, really sleepy during the day. And that would, and that was affecting my mood because right. when you're tired, you're not very happy. Right. So yeah. And, but I found that after I took the first dose, the next day, I was like, I was just so happy. Like, like I was just like, I loved everything and I loved everybody. And I was like chattier and I was like more open and more empathetic. And it was just like this, this fascinating experience. And I found myself wanting to do more things that made me happy. So and it was it was just like this this profound experience. I found myself being like a more patient parent. I have two small kids, which can that can mm-hmm. wear on your patience. Yeah, and and I found that it was helping with that. And I was just like an overall like happier person. That's it. So were you like um? So was this like you reporting yourself, or were these other people being like, "Mom, you seem happy today"? Like. I think that that it was me, like me noticing myself. I'm like very, yeah. very in tune with how I feel. Yeah. But with microdosing, that's kind of how it works. It's kind of like when you're going to the gym and like other people notice your body changing and you may not notice it because it's so sub-perceptual. And so some people may notice it themselves, but sometimes it's like other people notice. Ariane has a story where one of her patients was microdosing and her friends and family thought that that she might like be dying because she was like just just so open and so loving and they were wondering what was wrong with her wondering if she was if she was gonna die soon or something because she had this shift that is interesting all right yeah all right let's like uh shift back to your family your own family so i think you said was your mom a nurse too and you grew up in my mom yep yep. when did you grow up my mom was a nurse I grew up in northern Wisconsin. Okay, so so you decide to do this. What was their what was their understanding or relationship with cannabis? Were they supportive? What did they think of this new idea? Like, what did they think about all this? Yeah, I think that my parents are probably on the definitely not the norm, and okay. they are definitely very supportive of me. When I first smoked a joint, it was with my mom. Oh, okay, you so know, you are very uh, open. Few yeah. Years. <laughs> yeah, they're very open. My mom is very open to this. And she's she can help provide insight to some of her senior peers as well. That's she awesome. goes to this, yeah, she goes to the, the dispensary more than I do. And she's very supportive of the business. She helps out with like filling bottles and, and filling orders and stuff like that. So she is incredibly supportive. My dad is very supportive as well. He likes he likes to go on his own psilocybin trips like on a, a weekly basis. 
Oh, they're they're good. So they're like, yeah. but, but okay, but they're like um, they're like a gateway to their. I say this even my my own mother, like getting the old seniors to have access to these products. Sometimes you need one of your peers to say, exactly. this is fine. So she's doing that, and she's got a nursing degree. So yeah, yeah, she has nurse. a nursing background. Yeah, yeah. So she's mm-hmm. so she's a trusted advisor. Oh, that's good. All right. Yeah. So they're happy with yeah. that. All right. Yeah, are. Um, are you doing any policy work? Are you doing any kind of like, let, are you doing anything down there to help with your patients or working with your... In a way. So when it comes to seniors, there is, there's a lot of red tape around like facilities and oh. patients being able to use cannabis inside facilities and senior right. nursing homes. And when I started approaching these, these facilities to be able to come in and teach them, I got a lot of Either we can't do that or these patients don't want that. Meanwhile, they're passing gummies back and forth to each other. So they want this information. And they whisper, they're like, I have a gummy this morning. <laughs> right, right. Yes, yes. So they're they're doing it. Some of them are scared to do it because they want the right. medical professional, you yeah. know, to kind of give them the green light. So when I ran into that, I was like, okay, I need to go to where they are like to the place where the policy writers are to inform them that like Medicare doesn't care that they're using cannabis, that they're not, Medicare's not going to hold funding or anything if they're using cannabis. So a few weeks ago, I spoke at a conference for senior living executives in New Orleans. About exactly (laughs) this. Yes. Um, This issue. And and I did like a, a part, part one was a little bit about cannabis and how it works in the body. And then part two was about policy and how to implement cannabis-friendly policies for the residents and for the staff. Mm-hmm. The, the staff deserve the right to be able to use plant medicine as well. Caregivers, all caregivers. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So they invited you. They were open to this. They were. Well, I had submitted an abstract. Okay. Um, and then it got accepted. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's kind of hopeful. All right. Um, are you doing stuff with the veterans too? Or are seniors kind of combined together? Or is there anything? Um, so the veterans, we are like the business is an approved vendor with the VA. Okay. Um, and, and I have somebody who's working on that side to, to get contracts. Uh, it's getting the government contracts. That's the hard part. So I have somebody working on that. We don't have anything yet, but, but we're working on that part. It's hard to, it's hard to not want to do Everything in all parts I know. of the industry. Well, again, it's right. the trusted products that are going to work, like CBD specifically, because if you give someone something that is crappy and they got it at the gas station, they're going to believe this doesn't work and they'll never have the benefits of it. And not everyone needs 30 milligrams. Uh, the, the THC right. levels in the dispensaries is absurd, people. Yes. It, whatever. I, and I keep asking that sort of a business decision, but we can't lose the medical side of this. So you're still in there, like, again, working with seniors. We haven't even talked about palliative care. So are you access, are people accessing any of these resources for their end of life care? Are you doing any of that work at this time? I know it's like probably same, same issues you run against with anybody. Like in- kind of, Yeah, yeah. And hospices are funded by Medicare. So a lot of them yeah. don't, don't know that or don't think that they can teach this information to patients. When I was working hospice and I had, and I had this patient who was on cannabis, they tried to tell me, you can't talk about cannabis with your patients because it's schedule one that could affect our funding. And I said, that's both untrue and unethical. If this is a medicine that works, then we have to, we have to allow our patients to use it. And it's, we're not breaking any state laws. So, All right, but so you're it's just a matter of educating. 
Yeah. All right. So you're doing this again, medical professionals. Okay. So before we, let's see, let's just one more question and then we're going to uh, go yeah. over to Sabrina. We're going to, all right. So healthcare professionals, you're working with a lot of nursing or you're connected with a lot of more nursing organizations now across the country. You are trying to access mm-hmm. this as not magic as healthcare. <laughs> I've been doing right. this for five years now. So it feels like dog years. I feel like I've been doing this forever. So it right. does feel like the conversation is really moving forward. And the idea that you were invited in by an executive or, uh, you know, t- people who are running these facilities is awesome. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what are you seeing out there in the world of medical professionals? Are they starting to teach it at school yet? Like are nurses learning about the endocannabinoid system? <laughs> like where is this in terms of nurse education right. practice? It's nowhere where it needs to be, that's for sure. But I think that it's it's starting to make its way in academia. And that's that's really where it, it needs to be. I mean, of course it needs to be everywhere, but but yeah, if if students are learning this, I know that Cody Peterson, you know, the pharmacist, he's he's teaching it's an elective course in a pharmacy program. Okay. But it needs to be like it needs to be mainstream. Like this is this is our the master regulatory system. This needs to be taught mainstream. So we're getting there very, very slowly, but it's not anywhere where it needs to be, unfortunately. But that's why you're doing your work. All right. We will be back after we talk with Sabrina with nurse Megan Bang after we talk with Sabrina Klubnik, who is a young entrepreneur with roots right here in Massachusetts, who has focused her skills and passion for baking to create a new infused brownie mix that I believe just launched. I saw it in a dispensary yesterday. Welcome, Sabrina. Welcome. Let's talk about Clubbies, I guess, and then how you created it and maybe even get to dosing and taste like we talked about with Dave, because back in the day, God knows how much we were taking and it just tasted very, it wasn't that tasty. Thanks so much for having me on. If I can give you the um, rundown of how we started. Definitely not a traditional story. Comes out of COVID. I was sent home from so, college. Just, just so everyone knows how young you are. Like she's a young entrepreneur. Just that's I turned 22 in February. So young, just graduated college two weeks ago, just got back to Massachusetts. Mazel tov. Yay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yep. So the story starts in college. I went to GW down in Washington, was sent home for COVID, was living at home. Both of my parents, very fortunately, are serial entrepreneurs. A group out of Malden approached my dad to help out open a dispensary, a social equity dispensary up there. Being a college student, I was 20 at the time for reference, so I'd never been in a dispensary. I thought this was the coolest thing to happen to my family. <laughs> Absolutely. It, you know, my nice Jewish family was now going to be the pot family. You never see it coming. So I What's said, it, is, is the dispensary open? The dispensary is not open. So okay. I have- I have lapped the dispensary. Uh, You hear about all of the legal issues coming with towns and things like that. So when you look Klebnik Cannabis, you will get two stories. You'll get the Klebby story and then my dad's story of uh, him struggling to open up his dispensary. Which is real people. All right. So you bring you in. You think you're cool. You can't believe your parents are in this. My kids probably felt the same way. And then what happened? (laughs) Exactly. Uh, So I said, let me be an intern. At this point, I think I'd lost three internships, classic COVID, college student in COVID. So I said, let me be an intern. My dad said, the first thing I'm assigning you is to go out and do our product mix. I said, great. Went out, 
I was selfish. I wanted pot brownies. I was a baker my whole life. I said, we're putting pot brownies in the dispensary. No question. I'm seeing a big display case. We're baking in the back. This is going to be awesome. Very quickly, that dream was crushed. Yes. That's like, <laughs> I was like, how are there no pot brownies in dispensaries? Did my research. Obviously, we have long testing timelines across every state. I said, we're never going to get fresh baked goods that are fantastic. And just explain again. So just for people listening, if you don't yeah. understand anything that goes into a dispensary, really, you know, I treat it like plutonium. I say this over and over again. So you can't just bake the brownie in the morning and then send it out. You have to have it tested and make sure the product. And by the time you get it, it's not so tasty unless it's probably a lot of preservatives in it. So, yeah, you thought that was a bad idea. Yeah. Uh, it was not <laughs> my standard of baking. So I said A to B, let's do a baking mix. Started on my journey, started R&Ding, ended up realizing that Massachusetts, probably with the strictest laws in the country, would prevent me from doing an infused baking mix. But I refused to give up on the stream of doing a baking mix. So said, let me do infused oil with a baking mix. Uh, so so was your original idea, I mean, again, you can infuse a lot of different things. Was your idea that you would infuse actually the flour or something else would be infused in it? Or what, how are you going to do that? So originally when I was doing an infused mix, I tested out everything. Uh, I tested out flour, sugar, and then in very fine print on these laws, because every single serving in Massachusetts needs to be serrated by the five milligram gummies, chocolate, easy to do, baking mix, not so easy to do. So what I said is we're never going to be able to do it. But... An infused oil is not an edible. That is an edibles law. An infused oil is a tincture. So we're going to be a tincture. We are not going to be an edible. So oh. that, yep. So that, that allowed me to innovate around Massachusetts stricter laws, but also opened up a way bigger door possibilities because Massachusetts has this law that says tinctures are 500 milligram limits and edibles are 100. So I said, now I'm going to be able to bring a higher dosage to the market on top of even being able to bring a product to the market. This is the only way I can do it. And I hit kind of two doors with this. That is really, okay. So I have not heard that story before. That's interesting. So anybody who doesn't follow that. So any edibles in Massachusetts are prepackaged five milligram tops. You can't get any more, but those five milligrams aren't always enough to do whatever it is you need to do. For my sister, it's too much. She'll take half, which I think is hysterical. But if you needed something a different, you you had limits. So how, so you got, you figured this out yourself when you work with a lawyer? You just figured this out. I was reading through the laws. I loved law. I was a business and political science major. So I love reading through laws. Yeah. I went through reading all the fine print and I'm not sure when it hit me. That the oil had a different milligram. I was actually R&Ding with an oil from Netta. And okay. I, one day I looked at the bottle and I go, why are there 400 milligrams in here? And then it hit me that this was a tincture, like when a little dropper bottle, it was a cooking oil. And there you go. Boom, boom we were on to a bigger okay, opportunity. So, so, so now you're doing this thing, you found a, a product and your father's still trying to do his dispensary. And then, so how did, again, you got it from idea. It's a very clever idea to a product. I actually saw it in the store the other day. So yep. how did that process work? And how did you, again, you're a business person, but this is a crazy industry. So you're kind of like, you're a pioneer. You're kind of making yep. it up as you're going along. Yeah. Okay. 
<laughs> so went back to college with this idea. Luckily, GW had great a great entrepreneurship department. They were extremely supportive of me. I went to a professor. I pitched this idea. She ran a small pitch competition in the fall. I ended up entering that and winning that. So I won $1,000 from that. And then GW actually hosts the largest collegiate pitch competition in the country in the spring. Extremely convenient. Ended up entering that. At this point, I'm thinking to myself, no way they're going for weed. This is, this is a higher ed university. I'm pitching pot brownies. Yeah. But they were all in. And I ended up, I ended up winning the competition and I won $15,000 from that, which really gave me the money to go out and build what I needed to build up until launch, doing the box designs, doing the R&D with a baking mix manufacturer. And that money really kind of got me up until literally the finish line where I was like, okay, I'm now confident enough to put in what I had saved during COVID. COVID was a great time to save for college students. (laughs) True. I had saved a decent amount of money. I said, okay, I'm, I'm comfortable here. I've gotten myself to launch. This is where I can start putting in a little bit of my own money. And a year after I won the competition, I launched the product the week after 420. That's awesome. All right, let's do this. I've got more minutes. I have a couple of minutes. Okay, another couple of minutes. All right, so you're in dispensaries now. I've seen you just talk about maybe a little bit about what were the, what were the dispensaries' reaction to this product and where are you actually located right now? Yeah, so this product requires a little bit of education with it. I always have to make sure I say, this is a tincture. Looks like an edible. This is a tincture. Say that 250 milligrams is available to rec customers because that, at first, an inventory manager is going to be like 250. That's auto med. This is available to rec customers in 125 milligram and 250 milligram. But people are really excited, especially the bud tenders. And that was incredible to me is I was walking in and bud tenders were loving it. Oh, I found it. I I love speaking to bud tenders. They're incredible. They were really passionate about the product. I It's me going around to different dispensaries. I'm going around getting feedback. Bud tenders love the flavor. Everyone's been blown away by how great it tastes which I'm, I'm doing a limited sample. I thought it tasted great, but hearing from the broader community, this right. is you know, the best thing I've ever had. You really don't taste the weed. Has been incredible feedback. So our feedback so far has been great. The 250 has been really popular. The 125 is also popular. Our bestseller right now, general consensus is the 250 milligram brownie mix. I said, it's like, can we go back to like sizing? So a 250, that's a lot. Again, if you're going to do five, so how many brownies, what are you telling people they should take for a dose? Or do you tell them not to use the whole, how do you actually explain this to people? Yeah. So the really, (laughs) the really nice thing about our mix is that it's completely customizable and not have to use the entire oil bottle. True that. Yeah. So I say it's exactly what dose you want in each brownie. Put that much oil in. On the back of my bottle, I give the instruction for how to dose by five milligrams with little teaspoons. So you can really get it down to exactly what you want and then just fill it with more regular vegetable oil. Mm -hmm. So each pan brownies is a nine by nine pan. So I say, cut that how you want, nine, 12. Okay, it's a little math, people. You can do it. (laughs) (laughs) It's a little math. I... It was a tough situation, especially to be in with regulations. 
where yeah. I was kind of in a gray area on if I tell people how to cut a finished product that at time is, if it was sold as a finished product, it would be considered inedible. If I tell people how to cut that and it's more than five milligrams, right? am, am I entering into a more gray area than I want to? <laughs> you know, I was very aware of where this product was sitting in the gray area of the Massachusetts laws. I was like, people are going to have to do a little bit. Okay. I say divide by 10 on both the lemon pound cake and on the brownies. I say divide by 10 and that will get you roughly the number. What you need. Yeah. Welcome to the crazy world of cannabis marketing. All right. So if you are in, it's only in Massachusetts, right? Right now. If you're in Massachusetts, if they taste good. You said the chocolate and what was the other flavor you said you have now? We have brownies and lemon cake, both available in 125 milligram and 250 milligram for rec customers. And you can go right on our website. I have a nice store locator built in. Plug in your zip code and you will find the closest store. Awesomeness. And it'll also, of course, be in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining us today, Clebby's. I have not tried them yet, but I literally saw them yesterday at the Goods Dispensary out here in Davis Square in Somerville. So find them. I think it's like a great new product. I haven't seen anything like it. And it's by a young Massachusetts woman who we are supporting and lifting up. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Oh, that was great. All right. Let's see. We're back with Nurse Megan. I don't know if you're patients like brownies, but so I also let's just talk about your family. We talk about the candy mom stuff. So I know you're a mom of two. How old are your kids now? They're four and seven. Okay. And then they're kind of little, but I don't know, like, again, I talk a lot with the moms about how it's just like normalized in their houses. So how does it work in your household? And do you grow it in your garden? Do you talk about it in tinctures? Do they take CB, any of that stuff integrated yet? Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I live on a boarding school campus. So I live amongst like 300 high schoolers. Because of that, I'm, we're not able to grow. Okay. Um, that, yeah. And everybody but, at the boarding school knows what you do? They all know what I do. They, I went and taught a class, like one of the science classes a couple of weeks ago. I went and taught them about cannabis, which was like really, that was a first for the school. Okay. Uh, that they weren't taught, that they were actually taught facts and not just propaganda. Not just a DA coming in and tell you how scary it is. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not a joke. I mean, like a friend of mine said, her really? son, who's like, again, I talk about the next generation of children. You guys are raising them and it's just normalized. So when they do these crazy dare programs and they have somebody who's coming in spewing the old stuff, my son's friend raises his hand and tells them they're wrong. Like he's like 15, like, but he's got the information. And he's very confident in it. So right, right. you're raising the next. Yeah. So your kids are little and you're teaching other kids. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah. And with my kids, I mean, we like we fill all the orders from our house. So we okay. have like all the products in our house. They know that it's medicine. They recognize it as that. And they like, and they know not to touch it right now. I know it'll get to a point where we are going to have to like lock up the gummies and stuff. Yeah. Um, but we're not there yet. And no, in you, terms know, you can't of trust money, your kids. You just can't trust your kids. Lock them up. People, again, they're like always right, doing these right. horror stories. They put the only thing like toys to these bad stories. They're f just don't put them away. Just exactly. Avoid the situation. Exactly. Yeah. They're children. Yep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and in terms of their use, I, I used to carry a CBD tea. It was just like a, a CBD isolate with with other like herbs. And my older son, who has anxiety, when he was really dysregulated, like he he asked for his CBD tea, and that helps him. That helps him a lot. And then and then my little one, he has like he has allergies and he has like skin issues, and he'll ask for like the C our our CBD topical for us to yeah. put that on his skin. 
So, and that, that helps a ton. That's the only thing that he'll actually let us put on his skin that he likes. So, so yeah, that's the extent of their use. If they had chronic illness, if they had autism, cancer, anything like that, our use would look much different, but because they are generally like, they don't have any of that. So then we keep our use, our use minimal because we want their, their ECS to, to develop normally as possible. Yeah. yeah. So that's the traditional, you know, the traditional cannon mom journey. Just yeah. So, I mean, I guess I have a little bit more time. I mean, just you, t- you mentioned autism. So the show that we did last week, I interviewed a woman named Amy Carter, whose son is using this for his autism. And he was pretty violent. Like, and she is using this to really, it's, he's gone from a very violent nine-year-old to a 16-year-old who can speak on stage. But she has said, and she talks a lot about, she's out, she's in Michigan. She's working on these laws because when she wants to give her son his medication, I mean, you're in a school, she, he has to come off the campus so she can give him whatever his capsule is. And then she can, she has to literally sign him out, disrupt his situation, give him his medicine and then bring him back. And I don't know if you're seeing school nurses who are having to deal with this or if they're trying to do anything against, I guess the school nurses are stuck. They're in a weird situation, but they can give a kid an opiate. But if you want to give them a CBD capsule, there's a lot of drama. Have you, right. seen, I, I know you engage with any of this with any of your canon nurses, people that you're talking with or working with? I spoke with some nurses a couple of weeks ago who are more in, in the school part of this. Um, and of course, every state is different. California has a law that where it's kind of the same situation where the parents can come and give it. I don't think they have to step off campus to give it, but still the parents have to come and give it. There are no policies against the nurses giving it that I'm aware of, but I'm not, I'm not too well versed in the school policies, okay. but it's still like, it's still disruptive to have the parents have to worry about coming to give it when like, like the nurse can just, if the nurse can give like then lefaxine and like all of these medications, why can't the nurse just give some CBD oil that is remarkably safer than the medications that they're giving? True, true, true. So, Okay, yeah. so you've done the both ends. And let's just go back to your seniors. So what are your seniors? Again, you talked a little bit about their word about their medical medicine interactions or talking a little bit, but they don't even know where to start. Are you finding seniors are reaching out to you independently? Are you finding nursing homes are actually kind of coming around? And I mean, you said you spoke at that event, but are they saying mm-hmm. our seniors are all passing gummies in the back of the, like in the, in the cafeteria, we don't know what to do. Like, how are you connecting with this group? Because I really just think it's such an important group to connect with. Yeah. 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 When it comes to connecting to the group, it's, there are some individuals who will reach out to me. We're still working on like getting the word out that, that we are an available resource, but it's more like getting to like the wellness director at the facility and saying, Hey, we want to come teach your group about this. And sometimes the wellness director, like they have their own bias against it because they're uneducated. And then that's like, they're they're the gatekeepers, right? Essentially. And if they say no, then there's no getting in that facility. So sometimes it's just knowing people who know people who can make the introduction and then going in and and teaching. So it's it's hard. Even are, in are, Southern California. Are you popular though when you show up finally? Are people excited? Yeah, but yesterday <laughs> it was a, it was a packed room. It was a packed room full of of seniors yesterday. And it was it was wonderful. And I hope I can like go back. I mean, they they need so much help. I want to make it like a, a weekly thing where I can go back and just host a class with them and, and work with them like one-on-one or in a small group session or something like that. 
And are you finding, again, I've heard more about palliative care and psychedelics and end of life. Are you finding families coming to you seeking this kind of help now because they're open to it? Yes. Yes, definitely. I think that that people are are definitely more more curious about it, but again, don't know where to start. So, so yeah, they come to us and then like with us, they can book a free discovery call where they talk with Ariane about like the different microdosing programs that we have and different things that we offer. And then they can decide from there if, if it's right for them. Because, you know, microdosing psychedelics aren't right for everybody. So if we're going to do a program with somebody, we want to make sure that it's, that it's appropriate for them. I guess. And again, working with a medical professional to help you understand your body and how this actually works because it's not magic. Right. It's science. Yeah, it's science. So you're doing that. All right. Oh, Megan, oh, this is great. I think we're out of time. But so people in California, they're out of st- any, anyone who anyone who wants to connect with you can connect with you. So what is the best way to reach you? And how can they find you on Instagram? And I guess you're off of TikTok forever. But you know, <laughs> if they want to like learn more about what you're doing and just be a little and ent- she's very entertaining people. And she does these great little education things because I don't know, it's I think it's easier to access that information sometimes when people are giving you a little bit of humor with it. So how do they find you and how do they connect with you? Yeah. So the website is trustedcandidates.com. And that's where like all of our products and services we talk about. It. We didn't talk about much, but we have like an entire line of hemp products available on the website. And then on the socials, it's IL Trusted Canada Nurse. And eventually I'll get back on TikTok. I just have to buy a new, buy a new phone to do it. And then not doing that yet. So she'll put a wig on. They won't even recognize it. They, right. They down. right. I, I had a video of me and my cat and there was a cannabis plant next to us and they took us down. So they're weirdly strict. Yeah. But yeah. They're so anti-cannabis. Yeah. So. Yeah. Good yeah. For the world. Oh, We're going to solve the world. All right. So thank you, ladies. Thank you for joining me on another episode of the Cannamom Show. So for everyone, for my guests, Nurse Megan, and of course, Sabrina Klebnik and my Cannabro, David Jazz, and our Cannamom Show team, I want to thank you taking the time to listen to the Cannabom Show, where we are on a mission to enhance the impact women have on the emerging cannabis industry by sharing and preserving their stories of love, kindness, wisdom, and hope. Thank you for following and thank you for sharing the inspiring stories of the women building this new industry so together we can crush the stigma around cannabis and caregivers. I'm your host, Joyce Gerber. This is the Cannabom Show, and we are a production of Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Season one of Dope History is now available at dopehistory.com. Dope History weaves you through the lives of those who have been touched by cannabis or have had an influence on the events that shaped our laws or relationships with this plant. You'll hear tales from Frenchie Cannoli, Keith Strop, Eddie Lepp, Tom Alexander, Ed Rosenthal, Wolf Seagull, Jorge Cervantes, and Tommy Chong. Available now at dopehistory.com.